0: Welcome to this episode of Retinal Realities brought to you by Retina South Africa and supported by Roche Products. World Retina Week is observed during the week of 24th to the 30th of September and it is observed in more than 40 countries to create awareness about retinal vision loss. Today we have two dedicated women who are active members of Retina South Africa, Claudette Medifant who has a 40 year history in advocacy, and Sonia Lee Mabir, who has brought her enthusiasm and energy to the organization more recently. I know they each have a very different story to tell. Claudette, get us started by telling how the retinal group started in South Africa, and how did you actually get involved?
1: Thank you so much, Corinne. Well, you know, I have a dominant form of retinitis pigmentosa. So that means I have an extended family with varying degrees of vision loss. And that was something we just got used to. But we'd never met anybody else who had a retinal condition. But in 1979, my father, who was by then virtually blind with RP, listened to the radio a lot. And uh, he heard on the radio, Gina Sampson, who's the founder of the RP movement in South Africa, was being interviewed. On the radio and he said here listen to this lady and we took down the address so i wrote to her because of course in those days that's all you could do and we convened a meeting in johannesburg and i took a pen and paper to the meeting and there were people who had different retinal conditions at the meeting and because i had a pen and paper i was elected secretary of the group and i must Mm -hmm. tell you It's a position I still have 40 years later, and I am still trying to find someone to replace me. And of course, in those days, it was very difficult. You know, all you could do was phone somebody or write a letter. There were no emails, no internet. I'm sure the young people are very surprised. No smartphones. All you could do was call or write a letter. And we didn't even have a fax machine in the early days. But in 1984, this was a momentous year for me. The second of my two sons was diagnosed as having inherited my gene for retinitis pigmentosa. And you can imagine how traumatic that was. And I also attended my first international conference where Shomi Bhattacharya, a young researcher in genetics from Moorfields in England, announced that he had isolated the first gene for RP, which was on the X chromosome. And in our ignorance, we said, oh, that's great, we only need two more, the dominant and the recessive gene. Well, how wrong we were, because more and more genes were found. And today, of course, we have over 300 genes that cause various forms of retinal degeneration. What was amazing, Is that as the organization made progress, I too made progress. I determined from the beginning that genetics was the answer and I read up wherever I could find books, again no internet, and attended conferences and listened to these really erudite professors with their long words and slowly year by year I learned a little bit more. And I've also learned about the genetics and also about people and how to find and help people. I took courses in uh, counseling and I have amazingly found that the most important thing you can do by helping people is that you help yourself. So from those first days, those first early days, the society was then, the society progressed and we became a foundation We when we had a regional structure, we had up to seven branches in South Africa, all run by dedicated volunteers. And, you know, today we know that volunteerism is almost impossible for people with the pressure on them from their work. So we have now consolidated under one constitution and uh, we run a very successful organization with a small but dedicated team. We have wonderful professional links with all the ophthalmologists and the optometrists, and uh, we our reach has extended. And okay. over the years, we've also, of course, extended to include age-related macular degeneration and now diabetic retinopathy. My life has been amazing. I have visited 42 qu- countries, I have met presidents and kings and the most amazing people from all over the world. And it's amazing when you have a disease in common, there's an instant kingship. And I would not have changed my life for anything. Perhaps the only thing I would change is that my children didn't inherit my RPG.
0: But I must say, in spite of that, your children are both very, very successful. And I was just thinking while you were talking about the days when the only communication we, we had was that landline. So yes, we've certainly come a long way in our lifetimes. So now, for you, Sonia, what was your motivation to join this organization, and what has been your experience within the organization?
2: Hi to the listeners, and thank you, Corin and Claudette, for having me here today. To sum it up, I I would say in a very short space of time, Retina South Africa as an organization has become extremely close to my heart. For me personally, it's given me an opportunity to transform my pain into purpose. And I I very often have a very interesting conversation with Claudette, because somehow our lives are very contrasting. Claudette has central vision, and I don't. Claudette's family was fully aware of this. In my case, I was the only one diagnosed with a retinal condition. So it was a very isolating feeling. And I'll just give you some background. It was during early adulthood when I was diagnosed with what they called a rare retinal disease. And I was also told there was no cure. As a young adult going through many different various emotions, and the rest of life coming at you, this was devastating. I felt emotionally shattered and I had a million questions racing within me. I also had felt the pressure to act brave and appear that everything's okay, but in actual fact, it wasn't. At some point during 2020, I called Retina, South Africa, and I spoke to a phenomenal lady called Claudette. It was the first time when I actually felt understood. I was able to speak freely without a mask, and she gave me all the comfort knowing that I was grieving my vision. Thereafter, Retina South Africa became my source of education. And I think, like Clo mentioned, education leads to empowerment, leads to acceptance. But most importantly, Retina South Africa for me was an emotional support structure, a place of compassion, a safe space where I could share my journey. And most importantly, I did not feel alone because I had people I could identify with and connect with. So when reflecting on my experience and my motivation here at Retina South Africa, I always think of a quote by Mahatma Gandhi. And it says, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. So for me, Return South Africa has been the platform where I can serve and make a positive contribution to other people who are visually impaired. And that in turn has empowered and motivated me. Thank you,
0: Sonia. And you certainly are an inspiration, not only to the other staff in Retina South Africa, but to the people around the country who are lucky enough to deal with us and especially with you. But going back to the past 40 years, Claudette, you've seen many, many changes, as you've mentioned, both in South Africa and around the world. What have been the most important changes that have impacted you the most?
1: Well Corinne, the changes have been so vast and I think it's what's important to remember that until the retina movement started the researchers and ophthalmologists knew very little about how the eye works. It was just so complicated that nobody even approached it and it was only when the families in America started raising money for research that they started to understand how the retina works. And most of the understanding has actually come from identifying the genes, because they identify a gene that's present in a family, and then they have to go and find what does this gene do in the eye. And even to this day, we still don't really fully understand the complexity of this miraculous organ, this retina, which is so critical for our vision. The most important changes I think has been in this increase in knowledge, uh, not only in the scientific field uh, in understanding the retina, but also in the genetics. And as we have progressed along, of course, the the amazing technology has progressed with it. In the uh, our gene, my gene, RP thirteen took UCT two years to find, and we recruited fifty people, some affected, some unaffected, for them to compare. And that's how you did it in those days. You compared those blotches on a sheet of genetics that had been separated, you had to look for the different base pairs. Now, of course, we have the most sophisticated machines called next generation sequencing machines, where you can run samples through and you can look for the difference in one sample against 300 genes. And this is, of course, helping people to identify what condition they've got in their family, so they can have either informed reproductive choices or they can be eligible for clinical trials and treatments that are really on the way. And I must say here that there are over 50 registered clinical trials in America looking at different retinal conditions under different areas, for example gene replacement, gene editing, And we all know about messenger RNA because of the COVID vaccine, how that works and how that can also help to uh, manipulate the genetic expression in the body. We're looking at even taking cells, neural layer cells, that are not light responsive, but they don't degenerate when the photoreceptors do degenerate. And they're looking at conferring light sensitivity to those cells and that's called optogenetics and it's making tremendous progress and we're also looking at the different pathways in the retina like the complement pathway and intervening in that and of course we are now going back to basics as well by looking at simple things like what is in our diet and we know the western diet And around the world, in fact, our diet has deteriorated to such an extent that what we eat is now literally causing various parts of our body to die. So there are tremendous changes on the way. And even on the personal level, technology has changed. I mean, when you started, my dad had a simple magnifying glass that gave him about a four times magnification. And that was a sophisticated assistive device. Now, of course, with the advent of electronics, We have got talking computers, uh, we've got smartphones that can read your messages, you can talk to them, and all this technology is available and is improving the plight of people with visual impairment in the communication field. So we need to make sure that people know what's available and also that they have training and they can use this to change their lives.
0: That, that is amazing. So, so much has happened in this 40 years, and including a lot of treatments just on the horizon. Sonia, let's go back to you to ask, what
2: would the possibility of a
0: treatment mean to you?
2: So Karin, I think before we even get to a treatment, it's important for me to say that when I first joined Retina South Africa, I wasn't aware of the importance of actually having a genetic testing because that will determine the treatment, right? So I think it's very important to, for one to educate themselves and to understand why a genetic test is required. So the thought of a treatment really excites me. For me, this means potentially regaining a sense of independence and freedom. And I certainly think that this is something many South Africans dream of, especially since vision loss is the most common form of disabilities nowadays. A successful treatment will open up a world of opportunity and bring ease to daily activities. Above all, Karin, I think that a successful treatment represents hope hope for a brighter future, and living in a more inclusive environment.
0: Thank you, and you've mentioned future. So I'm going to ask Claudette, what do you see as the future for people with retinal vision loss?
1: Thank you, Corin. Coming back to those 40 plus clinical trials, and they're more in Europe, of course. The most common question I'm asked is, Where can I go to get on a clinical trial? The most important thing for people to realize is a clinical trial is not a cure. One, if you see something on the internet, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Dr. Google isn't always right. You cannot get on a plane and go to a foreign country and get a stem cell treatment, not yet. So there is tremendous hope in the future for clinical trials, but we can bring clinical trials to South Africa. The only way we can do that, if we have enough people registered with us on our patient registry, our confidential, properly protected patient registry, with a genetic diagnosis. Recently, we interviewed Professor John Flannery from America and said with all these treatments that are, there are quite a few, that are going to be gene agnostic. They will help people with different gene mutations. And we said to him, do we stop? Doing genetic testing and he said definitely not you still need that underlying genetic diagnosis to identify you've got to compare like with like and certain treatments will only work for certain genetic mutations so we need people to register with Retina South Africa get a genetic test get onto a patient registry and these clinical trials some of them are already in phase three so the advent of treatments emanating from these clinical trials is literally just around the corner. I'm back to that five years, you know, every time anybody asks me when anything's going to happen, I always say five years, but now this is going to be shorter. We're probably going to see the first registered treatment for Stargardt's disease within the next two to three years. We already have one treatment for a rare form of Leber's congenital amaurosis, which is a gene replacement therapy, which is available overseas, and the cost is so horrendous, it'll never come to South Africa. But as computers in the early days were very expensive and have reduced in price, and we now all have a sophisticated computer in our hand, which is a smartphone, things with progress do get cheaper and get more accessible. And if people work with us, we will make sure that we bring Clinical trials and treatments to South Africa, but we need patients to register and to get that genetic test.
0: Well, let's hope that everybody realizes this sooner rather than later.
1: Thank you, Karen. And I think that Sonya said true, you know, we can't live without hope. And this, for the first time ever, I can say we really have now realistic hope that treatments will become available in the shorter term rather than in the longer term. So
0: what can people out there do to assist this, Claudette?
1: You know that it's important to realise that research funds cures and money buys research. So we really need, we need every single person to support us, to join us, and we need these people who have money, who have connections to the corporate world. We need everybody's help. We can ask everybody, the man in the street, to make a donation through our website, which is www.retinasa.org.za, and people who perhaps haven't got much money but shop with a My School card to nominate us on www.myschool.co.za and um, to every time they swap at Woolies willies or participating shops, we get a small donation. If we had thousands of people, we would have thousands of rands. And I think that we'd also like to say people who are interested in becoming volunteers in our organisation, there are various subcommittees all around the country that they can join and contribute to. And again, through that website, which is www.retinasa.com, And I believe that Retina South Africa is a meaningful place, not just for people with impacted with retinal conditions, but also for their family members. And I
2: think Sonia has something to say on that as well. Yes, Klo, I do believe that having a genetic condition does not just impact oneself, but also their family. You and I have often had conversations about from you being a a parent's point of view, where there's various emotions and guilt and a whole lot of other emotions that goes with it from a parent's perspective. And then I often share with you The perspective and the emotions I felt, um, first being anger and until I got to a stage of acceptance. So I think it's a family's responsibility to get together and educate themselves in order to have a successful way forward and in order to make the person who is suffering from a visual impairment's life easier. So I do think that Retina South Africa does offer that support and the skill, and most importantly, education. Because once you have the education about the particular genetic condition, you're able to work together to a hopeful solution.
0: Excellent. Thank Thank you. you so very, very much. And I'm going to end by asking Claudette a final question, and that is, I'm sure that many people out there are thinking, where can I find out a bit more about this? Claudette, over to you for that.
1: Karen, we're always available on our helpline, which is 0860-595959, that's South Africa only. But anybody, anywhere can contact us through our website, will come straight to us and we will offer or refer them to all the services where people can get help, even if they don't have a retinal vision loss. We always help people wherever we can, but for people with a retinal vision loss, you have an extra responsibility to move the treatment forward by coming forward, registering with us and help us in our quest of restoring sight to blind.
0: Thank you so much. And we will end with a huge thank you once again to Roche Products for helping and assisting us to produce these podcasts. Thank you.